Thank you, Sierra. Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Mark. Welcome to Life in the Sun. Good to see you. Salt and light. This is week four of a six-week series about being salt and light of the earth. And if you want to interpret that as sounding epic, that would be okay. Last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, which was so special, wasn't it? I want to thank everyone who worked so hard to bring excellence as worship. Uh, God was honored, lives were touched, and his kingdom is expanding. At the end, you may recall, I said, where do we go from here? What does it all mean? Jesus did something no one expected. He died for us. And, and then, three days later, demonstrated victory over death, and the even more amazing thing is that he shares these with us when we receive the Holy Spirit. That's how salvation starts. Salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. It's one thing for Jesus to make a way for us to experience God, but it's a different matter entirely to become like God. And by the way, that is the goal. He did create us in his image, and he is in the process of restoring his image in us. The Bible calls that, there's a fancy word for it, the Bible calls it sanctification. That's a lifelong process. How does it happen? How do we get there? Today I want to share five things that you can do to make progress in the journey. Five things that will allow you to encounter God, be changed by God, and to become like God. It's in your God encounters that you become salt and light. It's in your encounters, it's in the testimony that you become salt and light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time together, together, the gathering of your people, in your presence to worship and to, to seek you, to understand your ways, Lord, I ask that you would teach, counsel, that you would impart, reveal. Lord, allow us to understand the truth of reality as you created it. Lord, there's so much distraction. <laughs> there's so much deception, so much misinformation. Lord, help us filter by your grace and by your spirit to understand what is relevant for life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> today I'll share five things that will allow you to encounter God, to be changed by God, to become like Him. These five items, they can be arranged into kind of two categories, two parts. Uh, part one has to do with putting away the old. Part two has to do with putting on the new. Uh, you read about that principle all through the New Testament. Just one example is found in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in the lust of deceit. He says, in order to do that, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But he's not really talking about the brain as an organ that processes information. Uh, it's really referring to the mind of the heart, that deeper inner place where there are beliefs and attitudes and responses. And it's in that place, he says, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. 
And then he says, so put off the old, be renewed by the transforming of your mind, then put on the new self, which has been created in holiness and righteousness in Jesus. And that's quite a contrast. This one over here is corrupt and dark. In fact, scripture says, is being corrupted. It's an ongoing present tense, meaning it's getting worse over time. You ever notice how you just appreciate the innocence of little kids because of what they think is bad? And, and, and now the thoughts we have as an adults are much worse than what we thought decades ago. It's getting worse over time. And uh, it's not something you want to tame or try to entertain or maybe tolerate. It's getting worse. You want to do away with that. And I'm going to talk about how to do that. Be transformed in the renewing of our mind and put on the new self. And so we're going to talk about all of that. These five points for today is a message about how to do that. And first one is encountering God flows naturally when you recognize your need. When you recognize your need. That's very important. Uh, just a couple simple questions to ask ourselves to help us recognize the need is uh, there a pattern? Is there a habit in my life that is unhealthy? Uh, is there a pattern or habit that's hurting myself or maybe hurting others? Uh, is there a condition for which I need God's help? So remember, um, and, and to understand why this is so important, Jesus put emphasis on this as well. You remember the paralytic who was sitting by the pool? When Jesus came up to him, do you remember what he said? He said, what do you want? It's kind of a strange question to ask somebody who's been paralyzed all of their life. But there's something about each of us coming to that place of recognizing our need. He did the same thing with the blind man who was a beggar. The crowd was passing by. The blind man said, what's going on? They said, Jesus is passing by. And he began to holler, Jesus, son of David, save me. And people were telling him, shh, be quiet, don't bother him. And he just shouted all the louder. So finally Jesus stopped. He called the guy to come. What did he say to him? He said, what do you want? And so uh, another example is, remember the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years? You know, that was a very difficult thing. She lost a lot of money. Um, she thought to herself, she heard about Jesus. She thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And Jesus felt the healing power go out from him. He turned around, who touched me? The disciples were like, what? In this crowd, what do you mean who touched you? And then he found her. And he said, woman, your faith has healed you. But in her mind, like the paralytic, like the blind man, she recognized her need and who she needed. Compare those three people to the rich young ruler who said, good teacher, tell me, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you know, about following the law. He says, well, I've done all these things since I was young. And he says, well, you still lack one thing. Go and sell all your possessions, distribute them to the poor, and then come follow me. And scripture said this man was very rich, and he walked away sad because it was hard for him to let go. So apparently he didn't realize his need for Jesus or to follow Jesus more than the things that he owned. Encountering God flows naturally when you recognize your need. Secondly, encountering God is evidenced by repentance. And this is very important because we can talk about stuff all day long, but until we actually do something and have a change of heart, it doesn't mean anything. 
And so repentance is a godly sorrow for how we grieve the Holy Spirit and how we hurt other people. And this is different from regretting that I got caught. You know, this is different from regretting that, okay, now I got some consequences because I got caught. Okay, one is focused on self. The other is focused on others. Worldly sorrow focuses on self. Godly sorrow focuses on God and other people. So true repentance is a, for, is a firm conviction not to grieve the Holy Spirit or to hurt people. You know, we usually we hurt people because somebody hurt us, right? And we want them to pay for what they did. And so how do we make people pay for hurting us? Well, the low-level stuff is, you know, we might give them the silent treatment, the cold shoulder, ignore them, you know, social distancing, relational distance. Um, those are the mild things. But what are some other things that we do to make people pay for what they did? You know, we might go and talk behind their back and tell everybody what they did because we want to ruin their reputation. We want to let them, everybody know how bad that person is. It's called gossip. Gossip is when it's true, but the people you're talking to, it's none of their business. Or it might get even worse. You might not do it indirectly. You might do it straight up, in their face. Let them have it. Just let them know how you feel. And then that can lead into uh, other escalations of legal fights, maybe into physical fights. And in the worst case scenario, the, the most extreme version is murder. You know, I'm going to make them pay for what they did. Forgiveness is giving up the right to do all of these. It's giving up the right to whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever it is I'm imagining in my head, when I forgive, I'm saying, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. R.T. Kendall, he wrote a book called Total Forgiveness. Uh, if you're interested in this topic, a very important topic, uh, I recommend his book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. He talks about seven steps toward total forgiveness. The last two are, number one, when you get to a place where you don't talk about it anymore. Because that's how God is with us, right? He, once he forgives us, he will never bring it up again. In fact, scripture says he separates it from us as far as east is from west. That's an interesting description if you think about it. Because if you travel north, eventually you get to the North Pole. You keep going, now you're traveling south. You get to the bottom, and now you're going to start traveling north again. And so it always changes. But if you travel east, you will always be traveling east. And if you travel west, you will always be traveling west. So when he says he's separating our sin from us as far as east is from west, he's talking about infinity. God never brings it up again. And so total forgiveness is when we get to a place where we don't talk about it anymore. And then the very last step is when we get to a place where we can genuinely wish for that person's best. You know, oftentimes we hear something bad happen, we're like, yes, they deserve it. But genuine forgiveness is when you get to a place where you really want their best, you can even pray for them, that God's best, that God's blessing will be upon them. So total forgiveness. So as you can see, Forgiveness is not just difficult. I would say forgiveness is impossible. Apart from the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit in and through us, that's just not human. That's not normal to have that kind of response to somebody who did us wrong. And so to summarize this point, 
Um, encountering God is evidenced by releasing forgiveness. And in order to release forgiveness, we first have to receive forgiveness. I mean, you can't give something you don't have. And so the same heart that is able to receive forgiveness is the heart that is able to release forgiveness. Next, this one might be a little vague for us at first, but it's called reckon as dead. So what does that mean, reckon? That's not a word that we commonly use today, but reckon means to consider, means to consider as dead. And so then the follow-up question would be, consider what as dead? Uh, that's a good question. And so if you ask that question, um, the answer may surprise you. It's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. I'll go ahead and read it for us. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Think about that for a moment. Our old sinful nature was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be, what? Done away with. We'll unpack that a little bit more so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So what does it mean to be done away with? I mean, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know sin is alive and kicking. I mean, we struggle with it every day. So what does it mean that it's done away with? Obviously, it's, it's not gone. But the original Greek, the word for done away with is kartageo, and it means to be rendered powerless. It means that sin no longer has control over you. You see, as non-Christians, as unbelievers, it had complete control. I mean, we didn't even know any better. We were happy in our sin. We were happy in the drugs and the partying and the relationships. But then you receive Christ, and all of a sudden, something's changed. Can't quite put my finger on it, but doing those things doesn't feel the same anymore. What is that? There's a change. There's a shift that happens inside. Where now, and here's the key, the difference between the unbeliever and the believer is you now have a choice to say no. Before it was only one, just the sinful nature. Now you've got the sinful nature plus the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, and now the battle starts. Now there's a conflict. And over time, you will grow and strengthen and develop to be able to say no. You know, at first, as a young Christian, kind of your default switch is over here in the sinful nature. But as you grow and strengthen in the word of God and in faith, pretty soon your default switch gets over here, where now my response is to follow the Lord and to walk in his ways. So that's one thing that we have to reckon as dead. We have to reckon that our sinful nature, we're dead to it in the sense that it doesn't have absolute control. The way Paul put it was, we're no longer slaves to it. You know, a slave doesn't have a choice. So you're no longer a slave. You now have a choice. That's key. The second thing that we have to reckon as dead is found in Romans chapter 7, also verse 6, which says, knowing this, we have been released from the law. Notice capital L. We've been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. He's actually talking about a different thing here now. This is no longer about the sinful nature. He says we've been released from the law. You think about that for a moment, you're like, Wow, really? I don't have to follow the law? I don't have to keep the rules? That doesn't sound right. Well, yes and no. It's not that the rules no longer apply. They do. Paul goes on to say the law is holy and righteous and good. The question is, why am I doing what I'm doing? 
Am I trying to follow a set of rules? Is it kind of a legalistic thing in order so I could earn my acceptance? Or is it something else? When my kids were little, I walked them out into the yard. I said, you see that power line up there? It's about 15, 20 feet from the road. I said, I don't want you to play on the other side of that power line. You have to stay on this side of the yard. Do not play on this side of the yard because 15, 20 feet out there is a road where cars are traveling 40 miles an hour. I don't want them to be like the other animals that we sometimes see on the road. So I said, you play on this side of the power line. I said, if you ever cross that line, I will spank you. Do you understand? Now, I wasn't trying to be mean. I wasn't trying to be a big ogre or monster. I was saying that because I love them and I care about them and their safety and their protection. You stay on, when you're little, <laughs> there are some things you're not aware of. You stay on this side of the line. But when they got older, and I knew they were aware and they understood, I used to let them go and climb in the trees next to the road, and they could play out there. And they understood, they knew what the issues were. Later, as adults, I was talking to them, and I said, you know, we never did talk about that rule changing. How did you guys know? And my daughter just said, I don't know, Dad. I just knew it was okay now. We can go out there and play in the trees next to the road. You see, the thing wasn't about a rule. It was about a relationship. They knew my heart and what I was concerned about their safety and they understood you know what the danger was and that was taken into account and so now they were operating not by do's and don'ts they were operating by a relationship and that's what Paul is talking about here in the very last two two lines he said so that we serve so that you live life so that we serve in newness of the spirit not in the oldness of the letter you see, God doesn't want a bunch of privates going, aye, aye, sir, tell me what to do, sir. When to, how high do you want me to jump, sir? No, he wants friends. He wants a love relationship. And so God is wanting us to serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Now, the rules still apply. I mean, if you violate the rules, there are consequences. But he doesn't want you to be motivated by that. Like, you know, I don't want to get spanked on the hand. He wants us to be motivated by love. I care about God. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to please God. I want to be in fellowship with God. I want to be one with God. And so I'm going to live in a way that pleases God. That's a whole different ballgame. Encountering God. <clears throat> results in being able to reckon the old, put it away, and to put on the new. I want to talk about the putting on the new. Uh, too often we talk about getting rid of the old, what not to do, what not to do, what not to do. That's all we hear. <laughs> but okay, where, where's the life? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Where's the provision? We want to get to the resurrection side of the spiritual life. And so encountering God is evidenced by a resurrected life, a new life. You know, what's true in the spirit is often revealed in the physical. When you're born, when you're conceived, you have the complete DNA package to be everything that you can be. To learn to crawl, to walk, to run, to, to speak, to write, to read, to work, to accomplish, to experience love, relationships, family. You have the complete DNA package at the point of conception. Same thing is true spiritually. Some people, you know, we're not aware of it just like when we're born. You know, we don't know that we're born. Who remembers their first day? We don't. 
In the same way, when you're born again spiritually, you may not be aware, but you have the complete package to be everything that God designed you to be as a spiritual being in a love relationship with God. In summary, I'll say this. Uh, we need to recognize our need, repent from those things that are not pleasing to God, release forgiveness, reckon as dead those things that are not of God, and then put on the new self and walk in Him. By the way, um, they all start with R, but this is not a formula. I don't want us to follow a formula. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is so needed in order to find out who we are and to enter into our destiny. You know, this whole series, if I could come back to what it's about, when you became a Christian, when you invited Jesus into your life, it just wasn't so that you could be saved and be reconciled to God. The whole purpose was so that you could become salt and light to the people and the world around you to be an influence. So what does that mean to be salt and light? In the past, you know, salt was used as a preservative. Through your encounters with God, he enables your life to be preserved. He also enables you to preserve the people and the things around you. You know, there are different kinds of people. There are some who build up and encourage, and there are others who tear down and discourage. And God wants you to be one who preserves. Today, salt is mostly used as a seasoning. And so, like properly seasoned food, you want to be the kind of person that has an, a character, kind of an aroma that leaves a good taste in the people that you interact with. That's the witness. That's the testimony. Light does so many things. Sunlight brings warmth and causes growth. Light allows us to see. It allows freedom of movement. You know, darkness restricts movement. Light dispels darkness. I began this message by asking the question, where do we go from here? And so I've got a couple application questions for you to consider. Something you can talk about over lunch, maybe in life group, anytime during the week at home. When it comes to being salt and light, what am I preserving? How can I leave a good taste? When it comes to being light, how can people see the Lord in me? And so if you would, throughout the week, take some time to consider this. Talk about it in your life group. Um, it's, it's one thing that Jesus made a way for us. It's another thing to actually go through the steps and experience the process of becoming like him. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us as we recall Resurrection Sunday. But it's just a beginning. It's not the starting line. It's not the finish line. It's the starting line. And so, God, I pray that you would help us know what are the next steps to being salt and light with those around us. And if you would take a moment, just in the privacy of your heart, to just kind of turn your attention to God and ask him, what is it that you're saying to me? What is it that I need to do? And just take some time to, to press in 
and to get a sense of what that might be. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you're highlighting, the ways that you're leading. Lord, I bless what you're doing. Ask that by your grace, you just anoint each one of us to be able to walk in the things that you're revealing. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address maybe a handful of other people who may be here today as you're listening to me talk about experiencing God and experiencing a new life. Perhaps that's something you've been thinking about. You feel like maybe God's been getting your attention. And if that describes you, uh, maybe you're here today not just because it's church, but you're actually searching. And if you're looking to experience God, you're thinking, you know what, maybe that's what's missing. And you'd like to experience God, but you've never made a choice, a conscious choice. You've not made a formal decision to invite him into your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's real simple. It starts with your decision, your desire, and then expressing that to God, which is prayer. So what I'll do is I'll pray out loud. You can pray along with me. God will hear you. But before I pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal for that, which is if you would simply look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that describes you, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray together in a moment. Yes, I see you there. And here? Okay, very good. Anybody else? Oh, here. Yes. Okay, good. Anybody else? And there, I see you. Okay. Don't want to miss. Yes, I see you there. Very good. Okay, let's pray. God, I sense that you've been getting my attention lately. And that has a lot to do with why I'm here. God, I sense that something is missing and I'm thinking it's maybe you. And so today I want to experience you. And I'm making a decision, a choice to open up. I want to open my my mind, my heart, my spirit to you and invite you to come into my life. So I thank you for Jesus, what he did for me, to forgive me and to make a way. And now I'm opening up to say yes. And if you're praying this prayer, just take a moment between you and God to let him come in, let his spirit of forgiveness come into yours and be with you. Just receive him into your life. Yes, God, I receive you. I invite you to come in. I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for Jesus, what he did for me in my place. I thank you for forgiving me. Lord, you know the things I've done, things I'm not proud of. And I ask you to cleanse me, remove the guilt, any condemnation, any shame. And Lord, I ask that you give me a new start because the way it's been hasn't been easy. Lord, I want to try life your way. So I ask that you would reveal yourself. Reveal your ways to me, how you intended life to be. And I ask that you would make me the kind of person you designed me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer. 
And if you did, I want to invite you to do two things. Number one, tell a friend. Chances are the people who have been talking to you about God made the same decision. You can learn together and grow together. Secondly, we have something for you that will help you develop your relationship with God. It's a little booklet called One to One. It's over here at this table. We'd like to give it to you to help you. Some lovely people will meet you and connect with you and get you started. Sound good? God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you.